Welcome back to the Society Case Files podcast. My name is Robert and I'll be your host. Today I'm going to talk about a couple of vampire video games that I've been playing a whole lot. Uh, A quick note, I was going to do my next podcast on plot and that's still going to happen. If you're listening to this out of order, you're probably wondering what's going on, but I needed a little bit more time to do some research and I put a whole bunch of time and effort into these video games, so... Considering their subject matter, it just seemed absolutely perfect timing to throw together a great podcast that dove into those a little bit. So, uh, before I talk about the games, I do want to talk about Malevolence. It's a quick self-promotion. If you haven't checked out the comic or the audio drama, they're both available right now at Tapastic, at Patreon, and Coffee, as well as Bandcamp. You can find all the links down below. They are awesome. I'm working on a novella series as well, and the role-playing game won't be too much longer, and then there will pretty much be every avenue that you would like to experience malevolence. So take a time to go and check it out, subscribe to the comic, listen to the audio drama, just experience it. It's a lot of fun. It's all kinds of vampire curse family horror. It's super cool. Anyway. All right, now that we've talked about that, I'm going to talk about V Rising first because it doesn't have quite as much to say about it as the second one will. V Rising is basically a cross between Conan Exiles and I guess I'd say Diablo. Uh, You play a vampire who's been asleep for hundreds of years. When you wake up, the uh, mortal world is there for the taking You basically cruise around and kill monsters, gathering materials to build a castle and create better gear for yourself to move through the game. There are a whole lot of levels. I had just found out that there's well over 70, I guess probably 80. I'm not entirely sure of that. Um, I'm only in the mid thirties at this point after about 20 hours of play. It's a really fun game. The aesthetic is awesome. The characters are very cartoony and they look cool. It's so gothic, it's crazy. The castles look like something straight out of Dracula. Your character ends up looking like they're a reject from Trinity Blood. It's super fun. Um, The combat is fluid. You move through it. You've got three or four different kinds of weapons. I think there's four because I just don't ever use the crossbow, but it's there. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, there's five. There's a sword, and you gain different powers. You can swing it pretty much the straightforward way. Then there's like a secondary power. In the case of the sword, you turn into a whirlwind and spin in circles. Uh, There's two axes, which are really good for taking down trees. I'm not sure what their secondary power is because I'm pretty much a sword player. There's a mace. And when you get a high enough level one of those, you can like leap in the air and bring it down and and crush the ground with it. Uh, There appears to be a spear and a crossbow as well. And if there are other weapons, I don't know about them at this point. Uh, You also have a full set of armor. You can get a helmet and torso, pants, boots, gloves. And uh, eventually you can capture humans and turn them into servants and command them to do all kinds of stuff. There's bosses that you cruise around and find, which once you bleed them dry, you gain their powers and, and learn different traits, whether it's to build a new building or add some sort of power to your list, all kinds of stuff. I have to say, I was addicted from the very second I started playing it, and it has been nothing but fun. I highly recommend it, even though it's on early access, and I generally don't 
endorse those for the most part. I haven't had a lot of great experiences. This one I've had a fantastic experience with. I'm not sure how much more they're going to do. I can tell you that I think the tutorial could use a little bit more work. You have these objectives that sort of guide you through the process of building your first castle. And in some cases, I think that they might want to add one or two more objectives between them because, for example, the one I'm working on now, I have to level a whole bunch so that I can kill one of the bosses and build his uh, resource manager and then make a whole bunch of iron so that I can build one more piece of gear so that I can... Anyway, you see the point. In order to do that, I've been playing for hours just to get the equipment I need in order to make that happen. So it would have been nice to have one or two more objectives in between just so that you feel like you're pushing that a little bit. Although, honestly, it's probably not all that necessary. If you've played Conan Exiles, you know what I mean. You kind of make your own objectives in that. They have a path of things to do just to just to help you feel like you're making um, advancement throughout the game. But those aren't necessary. And you don't even really need to write them down. They happen organically. And that's sort of happening in B-Rising. The building itself is all on basically one plane. You can't build up. There's no second floors and all that stuff. I'm not sure if they're planning on it. They do have stairs. But right now, stairs are just if you have a slope in the area that you're building that you want to, I don't know, basically have a, a passageway, which is kind of cool. I haven't gotten to the point where I've needed that, even though I've built a pretty sizable location. Uh, there are a few things that um, I really like about the way it builds. It's really easy to make something cool. At the same time, the spawn rate is really odd because just before I started making this podcast, I was going to clear out a section of land right by the castle to build a little graveyard. And as I started to do it, this stone elemental pops up and he was quite a bit more powerful than me. And it took me a good eight minutes to kill him, just dodging around and using magic on him. And that was kind of annoying because you would think that I have this massive settlement there that, you know, that kind of thing wouldn't just spawn arbitrarily. But again, this may be part of the early access. Maybe it's because that's what they intended to make it a little harder. I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of different unit types when you go out in the world and start fighting them. There's undead monsters, there's ghouls, there's skeletons, there's skeletal priests. They can summon up dead monsters to fight you. There's bears, there's wolves, there's moose, there's a whole bunch of types of human. Uh, you've got like spearmen and thieves that can backstab you and incapacitate you for a moment. Uh, you've got guys with shields that when they like plant themselves, they become harder to hit. And when you do hit them, you incapacitate yourself. Uh, the archers and guys that throw bombs, all kinds of stuff. It's crazy. And I haven't even gone into one of the other domains to the north of where I start. So there's tons of units I haven't even seen yet. And so all around, I have to say that V Rising is a game that you should try if you like Diablo and you were hoping for something like Conan Exiles. It may not be something you ever thought to ask for, but in all honesty, I think V Rising is definitely a game that uh, I would fully endorse to anyone who likes vampires, who likes to build things, who loves that sort of, I need to collect all these resources and put them together 
it's it's really neat. Now, funny story, I had seen the game on Steam, but I was mistaking it for a different game. I I don't even know which game now. I just saw Rising and I was thinking of something else. I didn't really notice the V. A friend of mine sent me a text and said, "Have you have you checked this out yet?" So, thank goodness he knew me because as soon as I got it, I had put 4 hours into it before I even knew what happened. Um all around I'm just going to stop this random review. It's been several minutes. Get the game if you like the kinds of stuff I talked about. Moving along, I would like to talk about the game Vampire the Masquerade Swan Song. This game, I was actually pretty excited about it, but I didn't find out it was even coming out until two weeks before it dropped which right there should have told me something that I hadn't even heard about it, that nothing came up on any feed, not Facebook or Twitter or just in my random searching. All the times that I looked up Bloodlines 2 to see what was happening, I never once saw anything about this game. So that should have been a sort of red flag about what to expect. And... Uh, If you follow gaming, oftentimes games get hyped so hard that you find out about it a long time before it's going to come out. A notable exception was Fallout 4, sort of fell in the same line as this. I remember when we saw the first video, it was like August, and I was like, oh, that's not going to be out for two years. And then it came out in October. So that was a nice exception to the rule. But for the most part, we hear about these things 12 months or more in advance. And to have only heard about this two weeks in advance, and I think the only way I found out was by going into the Epic Store to get my free game, and I happened to see it available for pre-order. And I watched the video, and let's be fair, if you've seen it, you know, the graphics are not that great. They're not terrible, but they're certainly not uh, AAA quality, and they're not very modern in many ways. But... The concept of playing the three different vampires seemed cool. I didn't really understand what they were going for when I watched the trailer. I thought that maybe you picked one of the three and played through the whole game as that character. But the reality is that the story is told through the perspective of all the characters. So as you play the game, you will be playing each one in turn. Let's talk about the graphics first. So when you load up the game... It looks pretty reasonable until you start to notice the rough edges. And most of those come down to things like clipping, the eyes, and the animations. I'm not entirely sure why the animations had to be so janky during cutscenes, especially a cutscene, because it seems like you could take your time with those a little bit more. When your character is just walking around and seeing other people do the same, it looks pretty good. When they just wander around during a cutscene, however, you're like, well, that is definitely stiff. And that leads to the clipping. There's a moment where a man is wearing a suit and he's got a a normal blazer on. And every step he takes, the bottom parts of his blazer just clip right into his legs. And that seems like it would have been a pretty easy fix considering that this was a cutscene. All they had to do was make sure that those things moved with the legs, but instead they just let it go because they didn't really care. The eyes bug out in a very unnatural way. When the prince is talking to you, 
the eyes are creepy and they just, they're just too wide. And when they blink, they don't blink all the way. Um, interestingly enough, I use a program called iClone to do some animation. I did one for Society Case Files uh, called Blood Rights. And when my characters were blinking, I noticed that the blink wasn't going all the way from the top um, eyelid to the bottom. So the blink was maybe three quarters of the way. So you still see some white in the eye when the eye blinked. And the way to fix that was to modify the model so that the eye actually closed all the way. I had to go in and do some work with the rigging in order to ensure that the blink was was complete. And oddly enough, it was pretty obvious when you didn't do that. So like my character would be talking to someone and when they blink, you'd be like, whoa, they didn't blink all the way. That's creepy. And Vampire Swan Song does the exact same thing. I see it throughout the gameplay. When the character blinks, you can still see the eye because they didn't bother to fix the eyelids. I'm not saying they use the same application as me. I'm sure that they had the resources to do something way better. But uh, yeah, it's really it's really disconcerting. And their eyes bulge enough to where you could see that being a problem too. Um, the lip syncing, I'm not even going to harp on that. It is terrible, but that's that's a difficult thing to do that really does take a lot of time. When I did Blood Rites... I did do a lot of lip syncing and the application itself does a very good job of taking the dialogue that you put into it and making them, their mouths move properly. However, I still had to go in and word for word, make some small adjustments so that it looked much more realistic. Um, at least for my taste, cause I was being kind of finicky about that. Um, they didn't bother to do that in this. In fact, their characters' faces don't even look like they have enough um, polys to, to make the mouth motions necessary for lip syncing to be uh, exceptional. So the graphics all around and the things I just talked about are, are definitely a weakness for Swan Song. The next major weakness comes in the voice acting. It's not that these people are bad because most of them actually do a fairly decent job. What it sounds like to me, and this is just a guess based on how some of the lines are presented, is that someone was taking multiple takes. So the actor provided, say, five options for a line and they liked one word from each and then somebody snipped them all together and it makes the person sound like they've never spoken English before or that they literally did the script one word at a time and forced the people who made the game to push them together. A great example is, I'm not going to use their specific line, but it'd be like if you were talking to somebody and you said there, you wanted to say their name in the line. Um, I didn't get my fries, John. Okay. So that's how I think you would normally say that. But in vampire, the person says, I didn't get my fries, John. And it was very jarring. That's just one example of many jarring methods by which these people talk. And I sincerely doubt that the voice actor made that choice. It, that's one of the ones that I felt like they trimmed out the name from maybe another line and they just decided to throw it in. Um, I play the game with subtitles. I play most games with subtitles, actually. Uh, the subtitles rarely match up perfectly to the, to the 
dialogue being spoken. Um, and several of the characters don't say the words properly, the, the jargon from Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, they often are saying it wrong. So I know I'm harping on a lot of complaints about the game. I'm just telling it like it is. These are the things that probably earned it the mediocre rating it got. Because if you look, the, the critics are hovering around 50%. And these are just kind of some of the things that are problematic. Um, another big problem with this game is it feels like it should be longer. Um, it could take anywhere from 14 to 25 hours to beat, depending on if you can't figure out a puzzle or if you're just really taking your time to look at everything that's happening. But even if you do, it's not going to take you much more than 25 hours. They really want you to replay the game to see alternate uh, endings and, and different ways to change scenes. But this isn't like that Detroit becoming human game uh, in the sense that there are dozens of options that might change the course of the game, even though they share a lot of the same DNA of being a, I don't really want to call it a walking simulator because neither of them are that, but they're really close because ultimately in vampire, all you have to do is walk around and make sure you find everything to click on. If you do that and take your time, there's not really a time limit on the on the levels. And it does warn you if you're going to click something that will effectively end the scene, a point of no return, if you will. So as long as you click on everything in the vampire game, you'll eventually solve the, the scene in an appropriate manner. The trick came in when I did... Um, a particular level. I don't want to give too much away. I don't want to spoil it, but there's a level that's very trippy and I didn't really realize that there was an objective that I needed to accomplish. And I ended up screwing the character over in a pretty major way. I was a little annoyed because it didn't, it holds your hand so well, so many other times that in this one case, it finally chose not to. And, um, I just relied on it too much and that was my bad. So, I could redo the level, but I'm not sure how that works. I know that if you hit the restart button, it restarts the entire game because I did that once. Um, and another thing about restarting the game, they released a patch to make sure that you got all the stuff that you got, uh, that you bought when you got the more advanced version. But in order to take advantage of it, you had to restart the game so that you could have the outfits and, and the extra story, effectively, the, the favor from that character... Uh, that comes from the LA by night chronicle. But I wasn't about to do that because I was pretty far along and I figure I might play the game again just to see a few things differently, which seemed a little lazy to me because it feels like they should have found a way to fix the save game so you could take advantage of your pre-order stuff without having to redo everything. Because let me tell you, from what I understand, the only way to be able to skip dialogue is if you complete the game and then start a new game and then finally you can skip things. But if I just restarted now, even though I'm like within two scenes from finishing the game, I would not be able to skip dialogue I've already heard. And at this point I've heard three times because I did restart it multiple times. So that isn't much fun or just make it to where I can skip all the dialogue and read it which would also be nice. 
Which really leads me to what I think Vampire the Masquerade Swan Song is. I think that it is a rushed product that is being put out to placate vampire fans since they didn't get Bloodlines 2. I think everyone was really anticipating Bloodlines 2. All of the video game footage we saw from it looked awesome. And Swan Song suffers by comparison to Promises. Promises made in uh, gameplay videos and what the Bloodlines 2 developers talked about. It's an interesting enough game. It has some fun elements. I really like the three characters you play. I wish that all of the things I talked about before had been cleaned up and polished before they released it. I'm not even sure why they had to release it in May. They could have spent some more time cleaning up those animations. They could have spent some more time creating better endings because there's some decisions that you make in this game that don't actually pan out to a conclusion. Like you don't hear about them after you finish the project. I'm not going to talk about any of that stuff specific, uh, specifically because it's all spoilery. But that's really where you're left. You're left with this game that is just kind of half done and short. Uh, as far as what's going on in the world, it feels like there could have been a lot more scenes. I'd say easily. Eight, eight to ten more scenes. Double the length of the game would have given you a better sense of the story and the depth that you basically are thrust into. At least as long as the Detroit game that I'm comparing it to. Um, and with as many options. But, again, if you're rushing it just to get something out there, just to show people that there are vampire proje- uh, products available, then that's that's what happens. The Visual novels that are out are probably a better choice than Swan Song. So what does Swan Song do well, or at least differently than the visual novels? Okay, that really depends on what you like and what you would tolerate. So let's start with the fact that you have to move around. You actually control your character, you... Start out to where you can only walk, but after a certain point, you can actually run a little bit. They sort of jog around uh, until you go into a room, and then you basically pace very slowly, which allows you to effectively look for things to click on, Um, which is kind of nice. I mean, honestly, if you were running around a room, it'd look a little silly, so I don't really fault them that, even though it does bog down the game a tiny bit. So moving around is neat because you have more control over the environment. You can look at it from any perspective you like. And uh, that's kind of fun. Um, It also allows you to engage with all kinds of characters, even ones that won't talk to you. You can click on them and they'll tell you off or say they're busy or whatever the case is. Uh, So it gives you kind of the sense that the world is actually moving and living around you. You're able to communicate with the people in neat dialogue trees that do expand as you find other things in the level that allow you to push them and gain more information and blah, 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 all that great stuff. So all of that's pretty fun. Um, The vampire story is pretty silly um, as far as anything else you've seen in this. It's not as detailed as it should be. Again, I think it should have been longer. So if you don't mind vampire movies and all that stuff in fact if you like them as much as i do then you'll have fun and i have had fun despite everything else i've said and all of the teasing and ribbing i'm giving it i really enjoyed the game 
I'm glad I got it. And it's, it's just, it's up my alley. I would love to see them do DLC to add more story to it, to give you the opportunity to do a new game plus where you start the game back over with all of your powers. Uh, because that's something else I'm going to address in just a moment. The role-playing element is unique enough. It gives you the ability to make decisions about how you're going to approach certain problems to a point. So like you have skills, you've got some knowledges, you've got attributes, and you've got disciplines. And the disciplines are things like celerity allows you to blink across chasms, dominate lets you tell people to do certain things or mind wipe them, that kind of stuff. Presence calms them down or brings you over, brings them over to your side. Auspex lets you track things or, or see people's auras, that kind of thing. Now, there's only three characters, so they had to pick which um, clans they were going to be. You've got a Ventru, a Malkavian, and a Toreador. The Ventru character is sort of an enforcer, which is unique. I would have thought they would have made him a Bruja, but they really did want him to sort of adhere to the Camarilla and, and be a devotee of the prince. And so I guess they had to pick a traditionalist in that regard. Uh, the Toreador is uh, a club owner. She's been around for a long time and she's finding herself in the midst of a political power play. And that's kind of interesting. And then you've got the Malkavian who starts out waking up from being put in an institution for a period of time and has been brought back to the field to help the prince do some things. So what's interesting is they do have some overlap in powers, but for the most part, they can approach the scenarios from different places. Um, note that their scenarios are unique to them. So it's not like you could do the Malkavian story with the Venture to see what would happen or how it would be different. And that would have been really cool if they let you try that, but they don't. Um, another thing about it is that even though you've got this character sheet and you might want to dump a whole bunch of points into persuasion, and when I say a whole bunch of points, I mean like one, then it may not help you at all on the mission you're at because the options during dialogue are decided by the game developers, not by you. You don't get to say, well, I would love to use persuasion on this guy and then see what happens. It chooses which ones are available to attempt. And so that can be a little frustrating. It's even more frustrating when you encounter one that requires you to have like a four in the stat. And there's absolutely no way, no matter how you played the game, to have a four. So it's almost like it's there just to show you that skills exist. But if you've thought about it at all, you know for a fact you'd never be able to select that. So I'm actually really curious to go back and cheat and give myself those stats and see how the game responds to doing something that you probably shouldn't be able to do. Um, ultimately, the disciplines were a little bit underpowered too. And in particular, it's frustrating because your Ventru was embraced in the 1700s. And his power set is so low at the onset of the game because basically he's level set with the other two characters that it's like, how has this guy lived this long? They're crap. They're like one point in some of his stats. You can pick from a few templates or spend the points as you will. But I mean, they're so low that oftentimes he just fails. And even against someone who has no right to tell him otherwise, 
he gets all this attitude from a character that he can't do anything about it. He can't dominate them because they actually are more powerful than he is when it comes to their willpower. He can't use his presence on them because, again, same thing. He can't talk them down because they're just like, I don't care what you have to say. I'm doing my own thing. It's very annoying. I found that part to be really, really, really frustrating. Now, despite that, some of the story elements actually really got me emotionally. I mean, I was pretty moved by a few things and angry about a few others. And it's very interesting. Um, All around, I'm going to say that Vampire the Masquerade Swan Song is a reasonably decent vampire game. It's fun enough as far as a detective thing goes and, and wandering around and seeing things. I put it right up there with The Park, which is a secret world game, even though that is definitely a walking simulator. It's steeped in atmosphere, and that's what this is about. Is It's all about atmosphere and giving you a sense of the masquerade and throwing some terms out to you and just basically creating your chronicle. I could see someone playing this game and becoming inspired to use the setting uh, for themselves in a tabletop setting. In fact, if you bought the Primogen edition, you actually get a PDF. It's a 90-page PDF with the setting and all kinds of information about Boston, uh, which is really cool. Um, I would say that if you were going to get it, you should get it on sale. Um, I got it for a reasonable price on uh, Epic for another reason, which I'm going to get to in just a moment. But I don't know that I would spend $59 on it to play it on a console. I don't think that it's long enough for that. Um, and I certainly don't think there's enough replay value if you have to just go at it with the exact same skills every time. Uh, if they add a new game plus, I might change my opinion on that. But for me, I'd say it's worth a $29 investment. Uh, now, to loop back around on Epic, I know that people hate on the Epic Store all the time. And I don't necessarily get it. I used to think I did, but I just don't. I don't understand it. It's irrational in my opinion. And now I have some evidence as to why people should actually give them some credit. So I bought the Vampire Primogen Edition and I spent $59. Well, within three days of the game coming out, the game dropped in price instantly, even the Primogen Edition. And I didn't know that. I wasn't going and stocking it by any stretch. I was just playing the game. Well, I got an email from... Uh, epic store saying that they'd refunded my game i'm like what i didn't refund it i i I played it way too long to refund it but at that point i'd already had six or seven hours in i'm like what's going on turns out they refunded me the difference i didn't have to contact them i didn't have to harass them i did nothing at all and just got that money Uh, steam would not do that so big kudos to epic i think that's super cool all right let's sum up the two games v rising Uh, I give this game two thumbs up. I highly recommend it. If you like the games that it emulates, then I think you'll have a blast. It's got a lot of content and it's still only in early access. Who knows how much cooler it will get. Uh, There are some bugs here and there, but they're not that bad. I haven't crashed the game. Um, I did rent a server from G portal and I've had some challenges with that, but um, you know, again, early access. So definitely worth it. Uh, if you're into that game, get it. Vampire the Masquerade Swan Song. This is a recommendation with lots of caveats. Basically, you're going to have to go back and think about all the things I've said. And if you can tolerate those problems that I talked about, and if you've just got an itch for Vampire the Masquerade, 
then it's absolutely worth getting. If, on the other hand, those would be deal breakers or you'd be super annoyed by the, the different little quirks of the game, for lack of a better term, then this might be a good one to pass on or wait until it's like 10 bucks and your tolerance will be, uh, won't be challenged by that at all. Because let's be honest, for 10 bucks, pretty much any game's worth it, with very few exceptions. And this one at least has a fun enough story to go through and, and experience at least once. Something it does do is that at the end of a mission, it will tell you the things that you could have done differently or that you failed on. So the next time you do the level, you can attempt to ensure that you address those things and find a different outcome for the story, if you'd like. Uh, and I thought that was kind of nice. It's not as deep as Detroit being coming human, but it is pretty much the same kind of game. It's the stripped down version, which I guess in a way you could say would be your gateway into playing games like uh, Beyond Two Souls or, uh, or Detroit. So um, all around, that's all I got to say about those. I hope you enjoyed the review. It wasn't, uh, neither of them were very spoilery. Not that you could really spoil much about V-Rising since it's kind of a survival game, but Vampire the Masquerade, I could have spoiled a whole bunch and I really tried not to. Because, I mean, if you're going to experience it, then you may as well experience the best part of it, which is the story. Uh, thank you very much for dropping by to listen to the podcast today. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, please visit the website at www.societycasefiles.com or you can support the project at www.ko-fi.com. Be sure to check out the links below to experience some vampire action with malevolence. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks. Thanks.